please turn your Bibles back to Isaiah 26 and verse 3. That'd be great. Isaiah 26, verse 3, has a wonderful promise. It says this, You will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace, for it is trusting in you. Uh, When I was growing up, my parents would sometimes give me these little Bible verse posters to stick on my wall, these nice little Bible verses, and then like a picture, usually of an animal, maybe a kitten or something. I think we have one here. There we go. Something like that. And, uh, and they're very lovely. Uh, but the thing about these, these verses and these posters is um, often the verses are really nice to say. You say them and you think, isn't that lovely? And then you think about it and you're like, how does it work? Does it actually work? Like, do I actually believe that? And is the kitten helping you know, me believe it? So example is next one. I mean, it looks amazing, doesn't it? Yeah, that's right. And then you think, really? Well, I'm actually not sure. I believe it. I'm not quite sure if it works. So I go to Google and I type in Isaiah 26.3 and kitten, and sure enough, hey, there we go. There he is. And my personal favorite, the next one. Ah. Can you read the bottom? Hug me, Jesus. (laughs) How good's that? So what is this verse saying? It's telling us that if we depend upon the Lord, trust him, that is take his word as truth for us and actually practically follow him. If we trust him, he will bring us peace. We will experience and know perfect peace, it says. Peace, peace. Shalom, shalom. Could you do with that? Could you do with some peace, peace? Shalom, shalom. No more anxieties. No more stresses. No more restlessness. Could you do with that? No one's nodding, but you are on the inside. I know. We, we, want, we love this idea of peace. Well, friends, here's the promise. You will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace, for it is trusting in you. But do you believe it? Does it work? Or in your mind, is it just a pretty little a- aphorism that sort of belongs with a, ca- a kitten next to it? Is that all it is? Some of you are saying, yeah, absolutely, that's what it is. I don't believe this at all. Others of you are thinking, I probably should believe it. I kind of wish I could believe it. Well, my hope this evening is that we would see in the character of our God that he really is trustworthy. He really can keep this promise of bringing us peace and that we would find ourselves wanting to trust, to depend upon him. That's what our whole series on Isaiah is about. You'll see these lovely pictures here. Trust the God who. And each week we've been looking at a different aspect of God's character that might help us respond with faith and trust in him. This week is trust the God who judges. So we're going to see uh, four reasons for us to trust our God who judges. Um, Four ways that he brings us peace. And the first one is this. Um, it's actually kind of a bit, bit by way of context and how does Isaiah fit in the rest of the Bible and all that sort of thing. But here it is, God's judgment and Jesus, our first point. So Isaiah started uh, in chapters 1 to 12, focusing in on Judah, the little country, God's people, Judah. And it said, uh, Isaiah was saying to them, because of your pride and rebellion, uh, you're going to be judged and destroyed. And then he sort of zoomed out a little bit in chapters 13 to 23 
and said to the nations, because you've been rebellious and because you've been proud, you're going to be judged and destroyed. And then in the chapters we're looking at today, chapters 24 to 27, 8, he zooms out even further. And he's talking quite cosmically about this universal picture of our whole world. And he's saying, because we, our, our world has been proud, uh, we face desolation. So look with me at, at chapter 24 and verse 1. Verse 1, look, the Lord is stripping the earth bare and making it desolate. He will twist its surface and scatter its inhabitants. And no one will miss out, verses 2 to 3, everyone. Verse 4, the earth mourns and withers, the world wastes away and withers. The exalted people of the earth waste away. This is, this is desolation, physically, of people. And there's also this desolation of the social landscape as well that, that Isaiah speaks about. Look with me at verse 8. The joyful tambourines have ceased. The noise of the jubilant has stopped. The joyful lyre has ceased. And then verse 11. In the streets they cry for wine. All joy grows dark. Earth's rejoicing goes into exile. Friends, can you imagine a world with no joy? You know, joy, that thing that makes life sweet, makes life worth living. God is saying to Israel, what's ahead of the, for this world is no joy, joylessness. It's gone into exile. Now you've got to ask, why? What, what did the world do to deserve this? Well, look, at, look on verse 5 with me, reading on. The earth is polluted by its inhabitants. That's true, isn't it? The earth is polluted by its inhabitants, for they have transgressed teachings, overstepped decrees, and broken the everlasting covenant. Um, this everlasting covenant thing, I like to call it the Tarzan covenant. Um, you've heard of Tarzan, you know, he's like, me Tarzan, you Jane. Remember that from the old Tarzan movies? Probably not in the new one, haven't seen it. But this is, this is the Tarzan covenant. I'm God, you're the people. It's pretty straightforward. I'm God, you're the people, but we don't like it. We've broken the eternal covenant. We, we want to be the ones who call the shots. We, we want to be like God. We don't want to just be his people. And the word for that is pride. That's the reason for this judgment, pride. It's scattered right throughout these chapters. Uh, you, you, we read that little bit a moment ago about uh, Moab swimming in the sewers. Whew. What's that about? You see that in verse 11? Noah will spread out his arms in the middle of the dung pile as a swimmer spreads out his arms to swim. Whoa. What do they do to deserve that? We'll read on. His pride will be brought low. Last time we heard about Moab was chapter 16, verse 6. This is what was said about Moab. We have heard of Moab's pride. How very proud he is. His haughtiness, his pride his arrogance, and his empty boasting. Friends, this judgment that Isaiah is talking about in these chapters is against our pride. That's the problem. Do we live in a proud world? I hope you're listening and feeling a little bit uneasy because this pride is in each of us, isn't it? 
This was brought home to me last night in a little interaction with my wife where I was shown once again just how proud I am. And God promises that judgment is coming upon the proud. Now, you might be thinking, Dan, we started off with kittens. It's gotten a bit more harsh since then. Um, Where does this fit in with Isaiah 26, verse 3? Well, I want to actually answer the question, where does this fit in with kind of the story of the Bible? And this is the kind of surprising thing, because what's been happening since the beginning of Isaiah is we've heard God say judgment against his people Judah. But then he said, there will also be salvation out of that judgment somehow. And then he zoomed out and he talked about the nations. And he said, you're going to be judged for your pride. But then he said, salvation's going to come out of that judgment. And then he zooms out and speaks cosmically and says there's going to be judgment for the proud cosmos. But then salvation's going to come out of that judgment. How does that work? How does salvation come out of destruction and judgment? Well, the answer is Isaiah is pointing us all the way to Jesus. Because this it happens in Jesus. Jesus gets judged and out of that comes salvation for the cosmos. See, in Jesus, the perfect, humble one who never deserved to be judged was laid low, was destroyed. It was a cosmic event that day when he was nailed to the cross. Do you remember it? The sky went dark in the middle of the day. The earth shook. Joy fled away because the creator was being destroyed. A crazy thing was happening. The judge was being judged What was that all about? What was going on there? He was being judged for you and for me. Us proud people who deserve that judgment to be made desolate. He was made desolate for us in our place. Salvation was coming through his judgment. Friends, do you see why this is a reason now to trust this judge, this God? This is a reason that we can have peace. How good is our God, this character, this judge, who would himself be judged for us? How good is he? What a reason for us now to humble ourselves beneath him, beneath our judge, our king, and receive his salvation. And yet, friends, it is still true. Those who will not humble themselves to Jesus, our king, will face his judgment. Well, that's the first, the first reason we have to trust our God, our judge, the Lord Jesus. The second is this, that there will be desolation for the proud, but God will be a fortress for the humble. Uh, this is the second reason. We've touched on it a little bit of it already, uh, but it heads in a different direction. So let's move on to this second one. And would you look with me back in chapter 25 again uh, and verse 2. Verse 2, for you have turned the city into a pile of rocks. He's talking here about the proud city that we've just kind of been talking about, okay? You have turned the the, the city into a pile of rocks, a fortified city into ruins. The fortress of barbarians is no longer a city. It will never be rebuilt. Therefore, the strong people, these proud people, will honor you. The cities of violent nations will fear you. Now, that kind of makes sense, doesn't it? They've just been laid low by God, so they're feeling, they're fearing God, they're honoring him. Um, 
But actually, there's another reason they're going to do that, which I find very interesting. If you read on in verse 4, you see it. These proud people are going to honor God and fear him for, verse 4, you have been a stronghold for the poor, a stronghold for the needy person in his distress, a refuge from the rain, a shade from the heat, when the breath of the violent is, is like rain against a wall, like heat in a dry land. You subdue the uproar of barbarians. What he's saying is this, that a day is going to come when uh, the proud are laid low um, and from the kind of the wreck of their pride, as they sit there, they'll be able to look out over and see a stronghold still standing over there. And it won't just be the stronghold won't be standing because those people were stronger somehow. It'll be the stronghold of the weak and the needy who trusted Yahweh. And they will therefore honor him. They will see how he's cared for his people and been tender with them and gently kept them. And they will honor him. That's God's judgment. So chapter 26 verse 11 says, They, the proud, will see your zeal for your people, God, and they will be put to shame. Do you see how this brings peace, friends? Do you see how there can be peace in this judgment of God, bringing down the proud and raising up the humble? You might be saying, yeah, Dan, I can see that. I can see that this is the kind of idea that you could put a kitten next to. It's all kind of lovely. We like it. But I'm not convinced. Like, I don't see it. Where is it? Well, the answer is, it's happened. It started. This, this judgment's actually begun. For example, uh, Assyria and Babylon at the time, they were the world's superpowers, the proud people. Where are they? But more importantly, this has been happening in the Lord Jesus. You see, when he came along on the scene, the proud just attacked him mercilessly, didn't they? They brought him down to death. The man Jesus, who kept on humbling himself to God, trusting in God, was brought down to death. And yet God's judgment was a little different on Jesus. God decided his judgment was, raise this one up. Raise him high. The humble one is exalted. And when the resurrection began to be preached in Acts, for example, the proud ones knew what this meant. This was bad news for them. The resurrection is bad news. It meant judgment for them. You see, this has already begun in the Lord Jesus, the proud being brought low and the humble being raised up. It's already begun, friends. And as we entrust ourselves to the Lord Jesus and humble ourselves to him, it will be true for us too. One day, the proud of this world, who make themselves out to be God, perhaps that's your boss, perhaps that's people you know in your life, maybe it's ISIS, maybe it's the politicians, Maybe it's the guy that I was with at the pub a little while ago with a bunch of other dads who was paying out Christianity, laying into me because of my occupation. A day is coming when those people, from the smoldering wreck of their lives, will look out and see a stronghold still standing. Those who have trusted in Jesus. And they might find themselves saying, well, I thought they were stupid. I thought they made crazy decisions in their lives. I thought it was stupid for them to trust Jesus. But here they stand. 
that God has been gentle with them and tender and kept them. And they are secure in him. And they'll give honor to our judge, Jesus. Chapter 26, verse 1. On that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah and by us. We have a strong city. Salvation is established as walls and ramparts. We have a strong city, friends. Well, that's reason number two, that we can trust our God, that he can bring peace. The third one is much shorter, and that is um, evil has been slain. So look with me at chapter 27 and verse 1. I mentioned how we've been kind of zooming out from Judah to the nations, to the cosmos, and now we just get a bit weird. Um, Chapter 27, verse 1. On that day, the Lord, with his harsh, great, and strong sword will bring judgment on Leviathan, the fleeing serpent. Leviathan, the twisting serpent. He will slay the monster that is in the sea. <laughs> That's weird, isn't it? <laughs> like, why was that in the Bible? Um, Leviathan is kind of like this kind of mythical creature embodying evil, more or less. And what God is saying through Isaiah is that one day, God will pull out his sword and chop evil's head off. Just destroy it. Be gone. You know, if, if joy is, is what makes the world sweet, evil is what makes it terrible. But God is going to judge evil. Can you imagine that? And the world without evil? I can't. You know, it's, it's just the world we're in, right? It's, like it's, it's the air we breathe, evil. We can't imagine anything else. Um, but we can dream, and we should dream. Because, friends, this judgment has actually begun as well. It's actually started. Because there is a man alive today, the Lord Jesus, whom evil has lost its grip on. It can't impact him at all. Jesus is is outside its, its grip. And as we trust in him, one day we too will join him. Evil, gone. Evil out there, evil in here. Finished. A day will come when you can go to sleep without any anxieties and you can wake up the next morning and just have joyful expectation at how good the day might possibly be. No anxieties because evil is gone. The newspapers are going to look a little different, aren't they? They won't know what to write about. No evil. That force that makes for joylessness, gone. That kind of silent power of restlessness that that destroys peace, finished. We can dream about it because that's already begun, friends. What a reason to trust. The final reason is this. Death destroyed. The final part of God's judgment here. Have a look with me at verse 7. On this mountain, God will destroy the burial shroud, the shroud over all the peoples, the sheet covering all the nations. This is death, death, the great enemy, the great destroyer. Death impacted your life, friends? Has death made an impact in your experience? Uh, It will, um, quite personally. Um, It's the shroud that hangs over all of our lives. It's this kind of sheet covering all the nations with its ghastly shadow. 
Verse 8, he will destroy it forever. The Lord God will wipe away the tears from every face and remove his people's disgrace from the whole earth. For the Lord has spoken. How good is it going to be? No death. That's why they're partying in verse 6. On this mountain, there'll be a feast of aged wine, choice meats, finely aged wine. This is a good barbecue. It's a big party. No more death. Party time. How good is that? And again, friends, this is not pie in the sky. This is not just that verse you put up there with a kitten next to it. This is true. It started. It's begun. The Lord Jesus was laid low in death, low in death and he's been raised up. And death has had a hole punched in it. It's leaking. It's never going to be complete again. One day, it's gone. Completely gone. If you're trusting in the Lord Jesus, humbling yourself to him, death has lost its hold on you too. What a reason to trust our God. These become our words. Verse 9. On that day it will be said, Look, this is our God. We've waited for him and he's saved us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Well, there's our four reasons to trust our God. Friends, I wonder, have you ever um, received more than you asked for? Uh, you know, you ask for something little, you get something really big. I was at a friend's place a while ago, a few years ago now. It's actually his mum's place, and she was a good old-fashioned Australian lady. And um, she asked if I wanted some steak for dinner. I was like, yeah, I have some steak. And what arrived uh, was half a cow, effectively. It was amazing. I had this dinner plate like this, and the steak actually did not fit. Um, I had to eat the steak so I could put salad on my plate. Like, it was amazing. That's a mundane example. This week, um, I had a meeting with a guy, and I thought I was going to end up looking like a total idiot. Um, and so I asked God, please, just be gracious to me. Um, and he, he, he wasn't just gracious to me. The meeting was amazing. It was fantastic. Um, these are mundane examples, but this, this is what God does. This is what's happening in Isaiah. You see, Judah, this little country is feeling really threatened by Assyria who's going to come and attack them. And they're kind of saying, God, please just, just please take the Assyria thing away. Can you just kind of help us? Or they just kind of help. We just want to solve this little problem. Maybe we'll look to Egypt to help us or something like that. And God, through Isaiah, says, how about I just change the universe? You know, how about I completely bring down all the proud of the cosmos and raise up the humble? How about I get rid of all evil and destroy death forever? Will that be all right? Is that all right? And friends, he's saying that to us as well today, you know. Some of you are thinking, oh, God, I just, I just need some health. Can you return my health to me, please? I just need, that'll be fine. I just need that job. That's really that's all, all I'm after is I just need this job to improve, to change my life a little bit. That relationship, that, that marriage, that, 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 the children, that's, that's all I'm after. That's all. And God says, how about I change the universe for you, friends? How about I raise you up, my humble people, and bring down the proud? How about I get rid of all evil and destroy death forever? Would that be all right? I hope it is because I've already started. See, do you see, friends, how we can have peace as we trust ourselves to this God who's made these promises and has already started delivering on them? I, I know you've got worries and they're real concerns. 
real anxiety, so do I. It's, that's for sure. But friends, do you see, when you, when you really trust this God, he puts those things into perspective a little bit. He helps you that in the midst of all the struggles that there might still be peace. Shalom, shalom. In the midst of the struggles. The question for us is, are we going to trust him? Are you going to trust him? Now, some of you are saying, oh, Dan, I do trust him. You know, I, I agree with everything I read in the Bible, um, but I don't really know this peace thing. Let, let, let me just clarify this. Trusting him isn't just kind of agreeing with what's written in the Bible. Um, it's more than that. Um, have a look with me at ver- verse 8, chapter 26 and verse 8. It says, yes, Yahweh, we wait for you. Which doesn't mean like, you know, I'm waiting at the bus stop, just kind of hanging around, looking on my phone, playing Pokemon Go or something. You know, I'm not just, it's not just static. Read on. Yes, Yahweh, we wait for you in the path of your judgments. You're making judgments. I'm walking in them. It's not static. Our desire is for your name and renown. We're actually kind of proactive here. I long for you in the night. Yes, my spirit within me diligently seeks you. For when your judgments are in the land, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Faith in Jesus is not just this static thing that stands still. Come on, God, deliver me. It believes his word and walks after him. The waiting is, well, I'm not sure how it's going to turn out, Lord. It seems a bit crazy sometimes, but I'm trusting on you to make it work out. I'm trusting in you to bring this, make this whole thing work out. I've been reading recently about a guy called Brother Yun, a Chinese Christian. In the year 1984, uh, he experienced unbelievable suffering for being a Christian. Um, didn't eat for something like 80 days. Um, you think impossible? Sure, yeah. Um, he was beaten. He was left in the freezing cold in China. What The worst thing I read about so far was that they... Um, they got this, this needle and pushed it in under his fingernail, one at a time, until he completely passed out. Um, but even in the midst of this, the amazing thing is, Yun would say he had peace. Because he knew he was walking with the Lord. He knew that despite his circumstances, he was trusting in a God who had already had the victory. He was trusting in a God who had already begun to bring down the proud and raise up the humble, and he'd keep doing it, even these proud people who were, who were torturing him. He was trusting in a God who had already had the victory over death in the Lord Jesus and would have the victory over death, even the death he was staring down the barrel of. He knew that God would deal with evil, the evil he was experiencing right there and then, because he'd already begun to deal with evil. And so you know what Yun would do after he went from the torture chamber to his cell? He'd sing. He'd celebrate. Here's a song for us. On that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah and by us too, I think. We have a strong city, the new Jerusalem. Salvation is established as walls and ramparts. Open the gates so a righteous nation can come in. What makes us righteous? One that remains faithful 
You will keep the mind that is dependent upon you in perfect peace, for it is trusting in you. Trust in the Lord forever, because in, in Yah, the Lord, is an everlasting rock. That's how we respond, friends. We trust and we sing. Um, and we're going to sing now. I'm going to invite the band to jump up. Uh, and we are going to uh, sing to our God um, about how we trust him and how he keeps us. During this song, some bread and juice are going to be handed out. Um, we're going to have communion together. If you're someone who's trusting the Lord Jesus or you want to, uh, then please do take some bread and juice. Hold on to them and we will eat and drink together after this song.